Uh, so I have sitting next to me Radhika, Radhika Chowdhury, and uh, Radhika and Ronish. We've known you guys now, maybe it's 10 years, I reckon, that we've known you. This is their beautiful family on the screen. So they've got three kids. I'll let you introduce your children um, and your husband. Uh, but yeah, we've, Josh and I have known Ronish and Radhika for at least 10 years now. We had the privilege of baptising Radhika um, when she first came to Christ. It was a very special moment for us. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about your family? Yes. <laughs> so I'm Radhika. Um, Ronish, that's my husband. So Ronish and I, we are the gathering leaders at the Divergent South. And we've got the three kids there. So the eldest one is Samara. See, she's six years old. And then Shadow, she's in the white dress. She's four. And then our young son, Cheyenne, he's two and a half. So, yeah. Right. And then we have Kathy, and Kathy and her husband, Ian, and their son, Daniel, are at our Queanbeyan Church. Um, and again, known you now for a few years. It adds up, doesn't it? Um, an incredible family. And very excited, Kathy, to have you here with us and be able to share some of your story. Uh, but Kathy and Ian serve with Kate and Rachel and um, Diane and Delan and all the crew over at Queanbeyan. Um, yeah, just do an amazing job there. So can you introduce us? So up on the screen there, you can see Ian. Ian's an ex-economist with a public service, so he's now retired. You might see his name in the newspaper. He's a frequent correspondent to the Canberra Times. Um, Daniel, you probably know, Daniel is, um, owns a, an escape room business, so it's a placement ad, everyone. Go revelation.com, revelationpuzzlerooms.com. Uh, and my daughter, Jackie. So Daniel's nearly 21. Oh, he's not here. So if you want to come to his surprise birthday party, just let me know and you can, all, you can come out to Queanbeyan. and we're going to try and surprise him. No, 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 9th of September on a, on a Monday night, yep. Um, my, and my daughter, Jackie. Jackie's a great blessing. She's 26 and uh, she's just recently moved back to Canberra and working in Canberra. And we have Belle, which um, you may not have had the chance to meet Belle yet. Belle and her husband, Magnus, live in Talong. I haven't been there, but I think it's a very beautiful country Australian town. I just spent a day in near you guys, Taralga and Loch Lagan and Crookwell. Um, I just love the Australian countryside. It is just beautiful. So, Belle, can you tell us just quickly about your family? Yes. Uh, Talong doesn't look that green at the moment as we're in a bad drought. But um, so my husband, who has less hair than he does in that photo, is Magnus. And Buddy just turned four and he has more hair than that photo. And, <laughs> and Pip, uh, she's two and a half as well. So, yeah. And so um, we met Belle and Magnus just about 18 months ago or two... Yeah, it was only 18 months ago. Uh, we... Uh, you'd know this story, many of you, but we felt... Josh and I had always felt on our hearts to plant a church in Goulburn. And um, we started a small group out there and uh, Magnus and Belle showed up one night. Drove all the way from Talong, which I believe was about an hour's drive... 40 minutes, okay. It's two hours from here 
which is amazing. Um, but they came along to this small group that we were running and over time as we got to know them, they shared with us about their love and their passion for the people of Talong. 800 people approximately. Um, and just they were running a youth group and involved in their community in different ways and just kind of the way that God orchestrated it. There's a whole other story there that I'm sure Belle would love to share with you at some point. Uh, but she and her husband, they reside in Talong and they are leading Divergent Church Talong. Um, awesome. Doing a great job. And so I wanted to um, just ask Radhika first if you would like to share a little bit about your story. Belle, maybe you could um, ask Radhika. Just, I'll let you take it away because I've done enough talking. Yeah, so Radhika, I know a little bit about your story and just recently you've been through a very traumatic experience that would shake anyone's faith um, and yet you've maintained, you know, a sweet spirit and uh, are leading your um, divergent gathering and I think just, yeah, the way that you live is a huge encouragement to people. So would you like to just share a little bit about your journey? Hi. Oh, it's working. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically last year in September, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, so it was a bit of a challenge there. Sorry, there'll be a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah, so the, um, it was a challenge up to the diagnosis. And then when we got the diagnosis, the journey through there has always been you know, a challenge. So um, shortly after um, knowing that I got breast cancer, I went through chemotherapy. And then we, I had a major surgery to get my lymph nodes um, and tumour out. And then after that, I had radiation. And I'm still having um, a drug called Herceptin every three weeks up till for up to 12 months. So I've got one more session left of this drug and then a few more scans and then restaging. So they'll see where it is and where am I up to. So, yeah, so that's been yeah and I think thing it is been a challenge but I can honestly say God's been with us through all of this he's been great hmm. Radhika do you remember those first moments when you received the diagnosis um, in those first few days what were your thoughts and how were you feeling um, you know, what were those initial reactions? Yeah. I think um, before the diagnosis, the lead up to it, because, you know, they found a lump and then, then the investigation started, you know, having all the mammograms and ultrasounds and the biopsies that are the worst. Um, and then you have that thought, what it is? what is going to be, what the result's going to be before you even get the result. And your mind starts thinking of these things. Like thoughts were like, how f if it, it is cancer, how far it's spread? Am I going to live? How long am I going to live? I've got kids. Um, will I see them to grow up? You know, will I see them get married? Will I? Um, all of that thought. And, and I think the moment was like, I can't keep thinking this thing. These, 
fear is not good. So I was like, I, I, I need pray, I need to pray. And I prayed. And the only thing I could pray, honestly, God, take this cup away from me. But you will let your will be done. And that's all I could pray. So, Kathy, um, would you like to share a little bit about your journey as well now? Yeah, some of you have heard some of my story. So, that picture up on the screen that you saw of my family isn't actually my complete family. I have an older son and um, about three years ago he died. Um, he took his own life. Um, and so, it was that journey of grief that I've been on for the last three years. Um, and I guess a question that immediately comes to my mind with both of your sort of things is, you know, you, go, you ask, um, you know, like, like Ange was saying, why is this happening to me or, or you know, it's just not fair, th those sort of things. How did you guys get through those questions? I'm sure th there were times when you asked them of God and, and, and were there scriptures or passages that he led you to? Or do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, your initial, you know, reactions and how you started to deal with things? Uh, when something like this happens, you kind of go into survival mode. Um, you're not really thinking coherently or trying to work anything out in particular logical fashion. Um, I remember the first thing... Uh, no, we're back. Um, when it happened was I'm going to lose my marriage and I'm going to lose my faith because that's what I've heard of what, that happens when people lose a child. A marriage doesn't survive and people walk away from their faith. And I remember um, Kate and Rach came over to visit us when I called them and told them what had happened. Would you just... Would you pray for me that I will not lose my marriage and that I will not lose my faith? And um, I have to say that our, our church in Queanbeyan, our Divergent Church in Queanbeyan, just covered us with prayer. And I've shared this picture of, with a few of you that, I don't know if you've seen pictures on the internet of the Roman army, and they have these shields. And if they're under attack, the Roman army would just put all their shields up all over their heads as well, so that the army was completely covered from an attack. And that's how I felt um, the church cared for us with this, this sense of being in a shield and, and we were covered underneath and I had no, no strength to lift up the shield of faith but other people were lifting up the shield of faith on our behalf and um, so I've forgotten what the question was but anyway um, <laughs> there was a sense in which yeah I wasn't doing anything to try to be sweet in that sense because I was in survival mode but the church was covering us and providing the grace when we couldn't, um, when we couldn't um, do the right thing for ourselves. The church was doing the right thing on our behalf and covering us. And um, yeah, I'm I'm forever indebted to Kate and Rach and and Josh and Ange, um, especially. You know, I said to them, I just want you to look after Daniel. 
and they just got around Daniel and they not only looked after him, they spoke into his life and raised him up as a leader of the church. So to me, that is the, one of the most greatest blessings that I have in my life is, is serving God with Daniel. That's such a blessing to me. Um, every time he gets up to speak or do something, you know, that's, I, just, I just feel that's such a treasure. Um, I think sort of to backtrack how you cope... I think it is important to call out to God and say why. I think that's okay to do that because Jesus on the cross asked the why question. Jesus said, why, oh God, have you forsaken me? So if Jesus can ask that question, then I think it's okay for us to ask that question and to call out to God and in the midst of trials, in the midst of trouble, because it isn't fair. And that's the whole point about, about why Jesus came, because it isn't fair and it isn't meant to be like this. Um, and it's not going to be like this forever Mm. Um, I think one of the scriptures that was very powerful in my mind was um, Romans 8 18 which says something along the lines of uh, our present sufferings cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us Mm. and and the truth of that is what you know um, something that always keeps me going Um, and also the other scripture would be Isaiah 53 where it talks about the suffering servant that Jesus was a man of sorrows uh, and acquainted with grief. And um, so, so, and that he walks in the midst of us in, in, in grief. Did you want to add something? Yeah. I think for me, um, just going that after that, like praying, that on the day of the diagnosis, sat with the doctor, he gave the diagnosis, we said, okay, what's next? And we prayed and pulled our Bible like in, on the app. And the verse of the day was Matthew um, 6.34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that verse has been my rock to lean on. Because with every challenge, through every step of the way ahead, all I had to do was God... All I have is today. You look after tomorrow. And, um, and God's been teaching us as a family and me a lot of things because I'm a person who likes to be in control. I like to plan things. I like to know where I'm going, what's happening, all of that. And God's using this and going, you know, I'm in control. You're not in control. So having this diagnosis is you just don't know where, how far, what, what's next. All you know is just today. Um, so that's been my trust, is that just leaning on God. Because every time I am with this journey, I feel as, am I walking, when I'm having the dry spell, when I'm not praying, when I'm not reading the Bible, I am walking further away from God. God is there, but it's me who's walking away from him. But when I get closer to him, I lean on him, I find that he humbles me, and he softens my spirit. I, mm. Like, when I find I'm walking away, my, I feel hardening myself towards people, towards things, towards myself. But the more I lean on God, the more I pray, I find that my heart softens and I allow him to work through me. Mm. So. That verse that you just quoted, Radhika, um, from Matthew, it's one of my favourite verses, but I think it's because it's so difficult. Like it's such a challenge 
to not worry about tomorrow. And we live in a world that teaches us to plan and to prepare and, you know, we talk about all kinds of things and yet the Bible, Jesus, constantly brings us back to you have today, I am with you in this moment and I will look after the rest. How did you balance, um, maybe balance is the wrong word, but how did you uh, walk through these sufferings while at the same time being a mum and being a wife and being leaders in your churches and just working? Um, you know, there's a lot to carry when there's so much pressure on you. How did you work through those pressures and those other commitments? I guess, how did you continue to give to others while you were needing so much strength from the Lord? Um, I remember saying to, to Rachel sometime afterwards, thank you so much you didn't take me off the worship roster after, I, after this terrible thing happened um, because I was playing keys at that time in, in Queanbeyan. Um, and she said, oh, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Rachel's very strict with rostering. <laughs> but it was an enormous blessing to be doing that because, um, because I don't play keys very well, I have to practice quite a lot and I had to go over and over and over the songs. And so these songs are going over and over and over in my head. And so um, constantly reinforcing, um, you know, the truths that we believe. Um, so I guess for me... It was a blessing to continue to serve. It, it, it's, it was a blessing to have a purpose because I think I've always seen myself as a mother as my first calling was a mother. So when Michael died, I felt like my purpose had stopped. I'd failed. That was that. I had nothing now. And so being a part of a community where serving is, is encouraged and that's just part of it, it's a great, was a great, mm. great blessing. Um, yeah, but I think the other thing was that I wanted to say was I, I did reach out for help and I think that is really important that you do deal, if you're going through grief and whether it's grief over a diagnosis or, or a loss, then anger comes up in you. That's just part of what it is to go through grief and you can't sort of squash that anger down and try and be nice. You actually have to work through it to get to the point of releasing that bitterness and releasing that. And so I reached out for help in a couple of ways. Um, one was I attended um, a, a group called Grief Share, which is run by Crossroads Church. And uh, that was, um, that was a, a very, very helpful way for me to work through some of the questions and some of the struggles and some of the pain with a group of people who were sort of struggling in a similar way. Um, and the other thing was just keep being in fellowship because when you're in fellowship, I was just talking to Diane before and we were talking about, you know, sometimes when... When anyone talks about death, they talk about lifeline comes up on the screen. And, and we were saying, well, we don't have lifeline here. Lifeline's great, but we've got the Holy Spirit and um, who's even better than lifeline. And, and being in the, in the presence of God and in, in the fellowship of the believers is a place where you can get ministered to by the Holy Spirit. And so um, that was part of the other way. And can I just share briefly? Sorry, I'm, I'm taking up all the time. But I had a real encounter with the Holy Spirit at a leader's retreat um, I can't remember when it was, it was before you and Josh went away, but there was an opportunity for, for people to get prayer and I wasn't even thinking about the whole grief thing, um, but I asked for prayer about something else. And then one of the young leaders um, 
Cam that you, some of you might know from the South Church came and prayed for me. And he had a vision and he said, inside you there's like an organ that's black. And, um, and he prayed some more and he said, do you feel um, like you failed? And I said, like, multiply that by about 500 times and you'll get how I feel. And, and he started praying over that and he started crying and, and bawling his eyes out. And he looked me in the eye with these tears streaming down his face and he said, you are not a failure. And I felt like it was God speaking through him. And so I'm just so grateful to be a part of a church where the Holy Spirit can move in that way because Cam obviously knew what had happened as a leader in the church but he didn't know the details of what I was going through. And God just opened that up to him and that black thing was my heart and... Um, it opened the, the Holy Spirit to be allowing, um, you know, to work. And that moment, I just felt this sense of failure as a mother just sort of lift. Um, and so it was a very powerful thing. Yeah, mm. that's amazing. Um, for me, like, we've been honest with our kids and our family um, in terms of what's happening and sharing our journey. So... Even though our kids are, you know, two, four, six years old, in their terms, we explain to what's happening to mum and what treatment I'm having and the side effects that I'm having. You know, they see me that I'm unwell, um, not able to do them, not able to care as much as I could. And we've and to, uh, to be honest, it, it there's a lot of pressure, like Angie say, to trying to deal with it. But as I said, that verse is I have to take one day at a time make most of that one day that God's given me and then God's going to look after tomorrow mm. so that's what's been helping me along and um and the other thing it my family I like Angie mentioned I got baptized about eight nine years ago but my family are non-Christians so they do not know Jesus like we've shared they don't and we've been thinking about how else we can share. And honestly, I'm just seeing God using this opportunity, even though it might feel like, oh, you know, you know you've got cancer, it's bad. But I can see that God can be glorified through this. Mm. So I, I, have been, I have been praying. It's, it's a bit of different takes. I haven't asked God why. Why have you done this to me? But I've been praying, God, how I can glorify you through this. And honestly, I have families coming in, staying with us, helping me, like my parents, my in-laws, and that has been a great opportunity to share gospel with them. And the moment of vulnerability and how they see we handle it, it's been awesome because we've been able to share with my brother, my sister, all of them. And, and I, I was saying to my husband, Ronish, we couldn't have done that if this hadn't happened. So... Praise God that he uses every little thing for his glory. Mm. So, yeah. And the other thing I just want to point out is that when something big happens in life, first thing that falls off on your schedule most of the time is church because that doesn't become a priority. It's like, oh, what can I not do? is oh, not go to church on Sunday or and for us it wasn't an option for us it was what is we had to prioritize and go 
what is for God. So church is more important for me going to anywhere else. So even though I felt sick, I didn't. I dragged myself out every Sunday that I can be in fellowship. And like Kathy said, praying. The church covered us with prayer. I surrounded myself with faith-filled and faithful friends who messaged me and prayed me and covered me in prayers. The church were, was amazing. We had meals provided, all the practical help given, and they just stood with us and prayed for us. And at the end of it, I'll be exhausted physically, but spiritually I was filled. So yeah, um, church is a family. So, you know, you, you don't give up on your family. I just wanted to let you know that um, we'll probably ask one or two more questions. But then I would love for you to have the opportunity to ask Radhika and Kathy questions as well. So we will have a short time of questions at the end. And Emily's going to put up on the screen my phone number. So you will have the opportunity to just ask your question directly. Or if you want, you can text it to me and we'll ask it anonymously. Um, so feel free. If anything's popping into your mind, if you have a, a thought or a question that you would like to ask them publicly that you feel would be of benefit, um, please send that question through or you know prepare it for just in a couple of minutes. Um, but I was just wondering, as you were talking, what were some of the things that you held on to in those moments? Like whether it was um, a dream for the future or a thought or a past memory or a scripture verse or were there, were there certain things that enabled you to persevere? Um, Kathy, you talked about like seeing Daniel in church. I just wonder if there was anything that you could share with us that you maybe held on to in those moments? Because I know I find that in, when I'm in Turkey, I think of you guys. Um, and I think of my family in Australia and uh, there are, are people that we've shared the gospel with that have received it. And I think of those people. And there are certain things that I do in my life to just remind me to, to focus on and to meditate on, I guess, scriptures. Just wonder if there's anything that you could share with us that has helped in those moments. Um, I think one of the things is seeing my kids pray for me. The faith that they have grown to trust Jesus is just amazing. It humbles me every time knowing God's got them. God's got my husband and, and the church and it just humbles me. And then also for my church, like with the um, gathering leaders, but for the church to surround us and people to step up, step up and say, hey, what can we do for you? What is it you needed? Where? It, it's been amazing to go, God, if it, you know, just looking to that going, how God's using that to grow, it just encourages me and just goes, yeah. Um, I thought I'd read you a poem which I came across um, when I was doing the Grief Share course some of you might have heard it. It's called The Weaver. It's often attributed to Corrie ten Boom, um, who herself went through terrible suffering in, um, in Auschwitz in the Second World War. And if you don't know, it's kind of an old poem, so it sort of talks about things we don't see these days, but if, you, if someone is doing a weaving, underneath the weaving it's all messy and there's all string, strings and threads and you can't make sense of it, but on top of the weaving um, the, the pattern forms. 
Um, so let me try and read this. My life is like a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Nor till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilful hands as the threads of gold and silver on the patterns he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares, nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice with him. And I guess that's something that I've always held on to. Kathy, someone has asked, um, you mentioned that one of your first thoughts after losing Michael was how, that my marriage will fail and that I'll lose my faith. Um, that hasn't happened, praise the Lord. How has the loss of Michael affected your marriage and how do you look after each other as a husband and wife in dealing with your grief? Because it is, you are right that it is a very high statistic um, that often marriages fail after the loss of a son. So how have you and Ian supported one another and loved each other through the grief? Yeah, it's a difficult question. I think the very first thing is forgiveness. That um, one of the people who were ministering to us in the early days, um, a dear friend of ours, talked about forgiveness in the first week after we lost Michael and said, you know, there's also going to be all sorts of things coming up in your mind towards each other. Like, why didn't you do this or why did you do that? You know, you weren't a good enough example. You, you weren't there enough. And, um, yeah, it's just been really important that we forgive each other and recognise that neither of us were perfect, neither of us... Um, you know, acted the right way all the time and we just have to forgive each other. And if we can't forgive each other, then how can we claim that God forgives us if we don't choose to forgive each other? So I think probably forgiveness is one of the big things. Um, and and accepting that we process things differently. I mean, that's that was never new for Ian and I. We knew for a very long time that we process information very, very differently and we're quite different people. And just accepting that there's going to be difference um, in how we deal with it. Um, I'm very thankful to be married to Ian in the sense that he has a, an extremely strong faith in the Word of God. And he... Um, He's not a very emotional person and that was kind of a good thing at this point because, you know, he's, he's so extremely logical, he'll just take the word of God and say, well, that's what it is. I, I don't feel great, but that's bad luck. That's, this is what it is. And um, so he, he really hangs on to the word of God and that's been a great inspiration. Mm -hmm. Radhika, um, we're just wondering, as you're coming to the end of your... Um, of the medical procedures that are happening and you're taking medication at the moment, um, but that's nearing the end. Uh, is the church still supporting you in particular ways and how can they continue to? And also, I guess, for you, Kathy, the kind of grief and loss that you guys are experiencing, it can live with you for the rest of your life. 
Uh, are there ways in which the church can continue to support you? You've talked already about the generosity of the church, I guess, um, but somebody's just asking, has that changed over time and will it change into the future? <laughs> it's a, the church, the support that we needed, we, like, initially, we got. But the church hasn't changed. Like, they're still there for us. And um, I think the thing to know is that we can count on them, that they're standing there. And the people there is just not, they do it for the sake of it, because they care. So um, just to answer that, you know, it, it's some amount of support saying I think there is if we ask where we needed it so we know that we can ask openly if we needed the help where we needed it's not that oh I can ask can I not or what they're gonna think no so we know we can rely on that Um, and in terms of support I think yeah praying is something and standing by I think one of the other things I was thinking was that, um, you know, how you walk in church and then you talk to people and then you ask them, oh, how are you? I think when you ask someone, how are you, be ready to listen. Um, Be ready to have time to listen to what they say or don't ask. Like, (laughs) 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 it's just that... um, yeah, because then it, it, it just shows that you don't care. Because my heart is that you ask is because you care. So um, I'm not saying my church is not doing it. I'm saying that. But I'm just saying just in general, I think it makes the impact. And then praying for people. And what I love about, you know, David and South is that we don't wait till the end of service or there. We pray for people wherever they need it. We, mm. You know, we stand with them. If there's something that we can do or pray, we do it there and then. So um, yeah. I think that's it's not amazing. just the Sunday morning no, or no. when you're meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a question, like that, I was thinking about because, you know, we, me personally, sometimes you might know of someone that's gone through something like this, or you know, and you don't know whether they want you to to ask or to how, how I guess deep to go with someone you know if they're not that close to you and so then sometimes I've found myself in the past almost just avoiding that topic because you don't want to dig if they don't want to open so I guess um, what advice or, or what sort of can you guys how's a practical way to show that you're available to be a a sounding board for um yeah i mean yeah for for people that not necessarily would be in our church but just in our community or or in our lives that are, are going through hard times yeah i certainly um in terms of grief in terms of a loss um one of the worst things you can do is say nothing it's far better to come and say something really awkward or something that sounds to you like, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. It just sounds so... Yeah, it sounds cliche, but it's far worse to say nothing. And one of the things I struggled with in talking about, you know, keeping a soft spirit, there are a couple of school friends of mine who um, 
who who just didn't say anything and I've really struggled with anger towards those people it's actually the people who just even if they if it's just a Facebook message to acknowledge that it's happened is really important and I'm find I probably did something like that myself um, before I knew how hard it was that silence um, but it's really important to say something um, yeah. in terms of acknowledging the loss and uh, even if you feel really awkward about it um, and uh, the other thing I would say is never try to explain why at the moment that it happens. So uh, the other thing that the Queanbeyan people were good, really good at doing was not trying to explain it. They were just loving us and praying for us without trying to, you know, shoot off 500 Bible verses at us that we really weren't ready to hear at that point in time. You sort of become ready to hear it later on, but you've got to come to it in your own time. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it just feels like people are preaching at you and that's not what you really need at that point. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question, Belle, because I I feel awkward. Like, And it was kind of like what I was talking about last night about, you know, those moments when you see somebody in a weak moment and actually we don't necessarily respond in a positive way. We kind of want to shrink back. I think I've had moments where I'd just rather say nothing because I don't know what to say. Um, and I'm sure I've felt that at times... Um, and I think I remember having a conversation with Terry at some point. Um, perhaps, Radhika, it might have been when, when you were going through the first treatment of radiation. I remember saying to Terry, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to... When I talk with you and I wanted to and I wanted you to know that we were praying for you. Um, but, yeah, it, it can be a bit hard sometimes. And so it's so good to hear your answer, Cathy, and just... You know, I, th I think Terry's advice to me at the time was better to just say something and just, you know, gently... And it might just be how are you going and, and be prepared. But I, I do wonder sometimes, are there moments when you would just rather not talk? Like when somebody... Have you had ten people say to you, how are you going, how are you going, and you'd just rather... Or is that a, you know, maybe that's not how it was? Yeah, like for me, I, like I'm, I was happy for people to ask me, yeah. and and I can understand because like I was, like the question was there, and I was um, thinking through, and unless you're in their shoes, it hasn't happened to you. It's really hard to know what to say. Mm. Um, like before my cancer, like I struggled with how I approach people with who've got cancer, but now that I have. I know, okay, but it's still not easy to ask someone else, even though you've had it. Um, but I think the important thing is, is to better to say something and show you care than not say anything. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think, and like Kathy was saying, rather than explaining, so I've had people, not from church, but outside church, come and say, oh, you'll be fine. You know, we've heard people who've had cancer and, you know, they've gone through it and they've recovered. Like, it, it's, I know they're trying to encourage you and be positive, but then those are the things, like, you, you're not ready to hear. Like, I, I know it's, it's good. People want to say that to encourage you, but after having it, I wouldn't suggest to go that way. <laughs> Yeah. And let them be ready and say, okay, you know, my journey is 
this is my journey because each and every person's journey is different mm. so the worst thing you can do is compare and go oh i know this person i know that person this happened and that happened and this happened and then you go but i'm on a different journey i you know god takes it on a way mm. so yeah um yeah and you know and yeah show just care yeah it. i guess just from your guys answers it's sort of the thing is to let people know that we're available so then it's sort of up to the person how much they want to you know yeah invest. so, so yeah. if they know that you're willing to be there and you're listening they'll come and open up to you and talk yeah. to you and yeah. like i know i can go up and ask my church i need meals i'm having a tough week i can't do this can can you you know you guys organize meals for this week and it'll be done because i know they care and they're open and it'll be done and i'll say and i'll message people and say oh you know i need a babysitting or i've got an appointment this week and i lovely mom's group and i just have those friends who can go yeah just send me your kids i'll look after them you just go to your appointments and it's like mm, it's, it's yeah yeah so yeah. So we might finish with this question, ladies. But one of the phrases that has come up um, over and over again is that God humbled me. Um, I think we've all said that at some point over the weekend. What role do you think that has had in keeping your heart sweet or soft, that process of being humbled? Um, for me, I think it's been very crucial. <laughs> uh, like every time I feel that my heart's hardening, um, God humbled me. Like I was, after my first chemo, I was admitted into hospital because of my low immunity and I got sick. So that put me in isolation. And, and then while I was there, I had increased heart rate and they could not explain why my heart rate had increased they couldn't explain because my fever was gone it just wasn't and and I was in the hospital with no explanation isolated I couldn't you know Ronish could only visit me kids couldn't come and see me um it was really tough and I was like this is frustrating and and I felt the anger towards the doctors and I was just so angry. I was like, why can't you explain this? Like, you should know this, like, you know? And you've been tossing around, to, like, not. Um, and I knew I was hardening my heart towards them. And I knew I should read the Bible and I should pray. But I didn't feel like it. I was like, I don't feel like it. And then um, a good friend, Diane, <laughs> as she's been a great friend through all this journey she messaged me and she's how's he going so I told her she sent me a verse and she said I listened to this song um worship song and I was like okay and I was like okay and I read the verse listened to the song and then the second night I, I just knew I had to open my bible and read as soon as book of psalms anything go to book of psalms i opened it up psalm 443 and i was just pouring out the tears wouldn't stop coming and god just humbled me he was like he just reminded me who he is and who i am and he's got me 
He's my rock. He's my refuge. And I just need to lean on him. Mm. Next morning I woke up, my heart rate was lowered. Mm. It had come down and I was like, praise God. He just needed to teach me something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. still no idea why that heart rate was the way it was. No. Yeah. No. So they couldn't explain it why. Mm. And yeah, so... So, like, little things has been happening throughout and then it's God been teaching me, just I have to go back to him. Yeah. I need to go back to him. Yeah. And I think just one of the things I just want to point out is that when I accepted Christ, after that, one of my favourite verses have been uh, where Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego go through the furnace. And I don't know why, I've always loved that story. And... Through difficult times, I've leaned on that story. And, and um, through this as well, I, like, I feel God spoke to me through that, reminding me who he is. So um, especially the reply that those three guys did to the king, uh, king Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. So I just want to read that. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, who do not give... We do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it, it, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set apart. So this is something that I've been leaning on and going. We've, I've been having prayers for healing, but God, even if not, I trust you and I lean on you. Mm-hmm. So this has been a, another one of those yeah, verses amen. that's been... Yeah, close to my heart. So lean on God, he will humble you. So It's a very courageous response, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can really relate to the question so much as Radhika in terms of being humbled. I guess the other verse that has always um, struck me is where um, Jesus starts teaching some hard things and a lot of the disciples start, or the followers start walking away. And the disciples come to Jesus and Jesus says, well, do you want to leave also? And they say, well, you've got the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? And I guess, you know, um, I guess since what happened to me um, some time later, I've done a lot of study and um, looking at different worldviews. And it's not only Christianity that has to respond to the problem of suffering. Every worldview has to address it in some way to be a meaningful worldview. And really... There isn't much of an alternative um, out there. Um, Jesus has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. You know, secular materialism just says that suffering is meaningless, that we live in a random universe and some people get lucky and some people get unlucky. And, and that's not an answer to the problem of human pain. Um, Jesus, the suffering servant who walks in the midst of pain, is the best answer that's out there. You know, you, know, you look to... Um, Hinduism, for example, and the idea of karma. Well, they would say, well, bad things happen to you because you did something bad in a previous incarnation. What sort of comfort is that? Or Buddhism that says, you know, 
the reason you're suffering is because you're not detached enough. If only you could detach yourself a little bit more, then you wouldn't feel the pain. Well, that's no comfort either. But, um, you know, Jesus has the words of eternal life and he is the one that walks in the midst of it. It still doesn't make sense, but it's the best we got and it's the one I'm sticking to. Amen. Thank you so much. It's an honour for us to sit and hear your story. It's a true honour to walk with you and your families. And, yeah, I just want to thank you um, for sharing with us this morning and thank you for persevering. Thank you for continuing to fight the fight on the days when you didn't want to, the days when it all seemed too much. Um, Thank you because you're an encouragement to all of us. We're going to keep praying for these ladies and as a group I believe that now is a perfect time to pray. I would also like to pray for anyone else who would who needs prayer. And so the band is going to lead us in worship and we're going to um, join together in worship but we're also going to gather around one another and pray. We're going to continue to believe for healing for Radhika, for complete healing in Jesus name and I know there may be others here today who need healing you might need breakthrough Um, you might just need the Holy Spirit to minister to you in a particular way Uh, we want to gather around you and pray for you so um, just as we did last night as we stand to sing if you want to raise your hand if you want to tap the person next to you and ask them to pray for you maybe you need to move out of your seat and find someone that you know, a friend. Uh, Yes, I'll swap mics. Why don't we stand to our feet? But just make yourself comfortable. Rearrange the chairs if you need to. Um, We actually have a good 15 to 20 minutes or even more if we want it. There's no hurry to leave. Um, But I may just say, actually, if you do need to go, you're welcome to leave. If you want to stay, please stay. Um, I would encourage you to stay at least for the next 15 or 20 minutes, just as we minister to one another. One of my passions is um, just, and Kathy and Radhika did it so well, just the way you talked about the church. We need each other. And I think it's so important to, as women that we know, when we show up, to a gathering, God is gifting us. He's empowering us to minister to one another. Um, and He's enabling us to do that. And so I just want to give you permission to pray over one another, to speak words of wisdom and knowledge, to speak prophetically to one another. If, if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you in that way, please do so. Um, this is what we're here for. This is what the body of Christ is meant to be doing. Um, So thank you, Nicole and team. I'll hand over to you guys.